What's going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this playoff preview episode of the podcast. It is myself and Greg Piatelli looking at the qualifying round for the NHL playoffs and the round robins. We recorded this right after the Flyers-Bruins game, so we break that down. Then we go east to west, all of the different qualifiers. We'd seen game ones in the books for pretty much every series, but we react to those games and then preview the rest of the series. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think. As always, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Mash that subscribe button. Leave a nice review. Find us on Twitter, ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram and Facebook. And join our Facebook group while you're at it. The Bullpen Cart Podcast. Be a part of the conversation. Submit questions. All of that good stuff. But enjoy this episode, guys. We will see you later this week with a baseball update. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of the podcast here on the Bullpen Cart podcast feed. It is a playoff edition of Blue Line Icing, our hockey show. I, of course, am Jordy Cannell, the G-Man. Joining me is my good buddy, the man, the myth, the legend himself, the prophet, Mr. Greg Piatelli. How are you, my friend? Jordy, I am sad that... No, not sad. I am... I'm the prophet because I called this on our last pod. And if, if for those who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Bruins Flyers and I'm talking about the game itself and my biggest fear for the Bruins going to the playoffs. And I called it to a T literally couldn't have been more like perfect in, in my analysis and what I predicted came true. Maybe it's because I spoke it into the universe. That's why it came true. However, um, disappointed that it did come true i can't say i'm happy that i got it right i'm more disappointed that the coaching staff didn't recognize the problem beforehand um how are you doing jordy what did you do this weekend i'm doing pretty well man i play a lot of golf watched a lot of hockey watched the sixers get blown up by tj warren on saturday night so that was entertaining then lebron lost to the raptors uh, so that was also entertaining um that was actually entertaining. The Sixers one was not. Um, but the Sixers look brutal, huh? Joel Embiid starting fights inside the locker room. What's going on there? No, nah, man. Forty and twenty. He and Shake. You know, they just had a little lovers' quarrel. You know, it was the end of the quarter. They just had to. You know, they had to. They had to uh, yell it out. You know, they're all. I don't good. know. ESPN made it seem like. Yeah, because ESPN loves to. They love to, to stir the pot, man. Max Kellerman's going to be like. Joel Embiid was throwing Shake Shack burgers all over the locker room on fucking first take on Monday. I mean, they make it seem like the Sixers are crumbling. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we don't need to give the in-depth analysis. What does Third and Girl think? Well, you can check it out on her podcast that's dropping tomorrow. Ooh, teaser. Yeah. She uh, is starting a new one on the SB Nation, Liberty Ballers. That's the Sixers site. They just launched a podcast network. Uh, So she is on there. Um so check it out, and it should be really fun. I obviously haven't listened to it yet, but I'm sure it's going to be great. It should be uh, released Monday morning at 8, so by the time you're listening to this, listen. Question, do you, guys, do you guys use the same podcast studio in your apartment? I believe she did use this. She did it while I was playing golf. She came upstairs. Apparently, Luna the dog 
barged in, so she made a couple appearances on the podcast. So there's a couple teasers for you. Ooh, I'd be like, I have to listen. Yeah. But also, I feel like I never normally say, how are you doing back? And never get this rapport that we've had. And maybe not never, but I haven't in a while. So for those who have missed it, I'm sorry. And to you, Jordy, <laughs> I apologize for not addressing it and saying it to you. It was pointed out by someone who listens to the podcast very close to me. And for that, my friend, I'm sorry for not oh. asking you. Because for those who don't know, pre-show, we have a little That's what I was back say. and forth. We pre-show, have we like catch up on all our bullshit. That's why like we say we're going to record at 8. We don't start recording until 8.26, like right now. And then we record forever because we're just like talking about whatever and catching up. <laughs> right. So the point is, now it's on record. People have heard verbally me addressing and saying, Jordy, how are you doing caring about my friend in Philadelphia? Well, I'm glad that you care. And Greg, <laughs> to keep the ball rolling on feedback from the last show, something that a lot of people loved was the menu, the agenda. We'll have to come up with a, a official name for it. But let's run through what we're talking about on today's show. The playoffs started. In case you were living under a rock, you don't care people too much loved for it, hockey. Huh? Yeah, a lot of people really liked it. Um, nice. So what we're going to do, Greg alluded to it, Flyers and Bruins play today. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to – the rest of the round robins have not finished their first round – their first games. The Blues are up one nothing on the Avalanche right now. We can talk about that a little bit if we want. Uh, and then, you know, nothing too much has changed for the, the other teams since last week. So we'll jump into the series. Everybody but Columbus, Toronto, Minnesota, and Vancouver have finished games. So we have tape to break down and talk about, see if our opinions changed. And Greg, frankly, I don't remember who I picked. I remember who I gambled on today. So we'll talk about it that way. How does that sound? <laughs> I love it. Also, for those wondering, strictly NHL, if you came here for other stuff, we might talk about at the end. We tend to ramble at the end, and we normally talk about this stuff at the end. So, like yes. Major League Baseball base, potentially being done forever. Um, every single NFL player on the Patriots opting out. Joanna uh, Cespedes just disappeared. Might disappeared. Talk about that another baseball thing and the Yankees and Red Sox are through three innings and already put up 10 runs five each so uh, in an hour and just, a half classic the world, Yankees Red Sox the world is just nature I is guess, healing yes <laughs> yes nature is healing all right Jordy uh let's get down to business so the Flyers and Bruins play today first round robin game we had seen five games yesterday on Saturday of actual game ones of this qualifier round. We saw it hadn't finished yet, but we saw the coyotes and the predators get started with a game one. So we hadn't seen this round Robin yet. We didn't know what to expect. You know, we thought that would bring some intensity to it. And Greg, you mentioned it. You thought the Bruins came out a little flat. I thought that their bottom six played pretty well. I thought Halak coming in and, uh, you know, in relief of, of, Tuca, who was not playing, and maybe you can break that down. I thought he did a decent job. I think, um, at least seeing it from the Flyers' side, they started to really get more shots on net. I don't know if that's the, that their tic-tac-toe passing. that They really plagued them a little bit, the Flyers, at the beginning of the game. Claude Giroux. You know, a lot of the times the Flyers you know, Flyers fans get a lot of shit for yelling shoot when there's, a, a, like, five players in front of a guy. But there's a couple times Claude Giroux probably should have taken a shot because he had an open look. Um but they, they started to get more pucks on, and, and obviously the second period it worked out, and then uh, the the third period they, they had the capitalization to get it to 4-1. But 
Greg, as a Bruins fan, what did you think of this game? And then I'll come back with breaking down a little more on the Flyers side. You know, Jordy, I talked about it last podcast and talked about it in this one as well. I had a fear that the Bruins, being an old veteran aged team, having gone through the battle that they went through, not particularly playing the Flyers, the Capitals, and the Lightning. Maybe they do play Lightning well, but not particularly playing the Flyers and the Capitals well. I had a very strong feeling, and still do, that the Bruins are going to go 0-3 in this preliminary round, look flat all around from every game just because the buzz, the jump isn't there, and they're going to go into the the actual playoff because this, this isn't the playoffs. I know oh, everyone's like, oh, Carter Hart, youngest goalie for the Flyers, start for the playoffs. This isn't the playoffs. This, is, this isn't the playoffs. This is round round. Playoffs is elimination. This is not the playoffs. So – when Carter Hart plays in the playoffs in X amount of days, yes, you can say that's that. But no, he's not. The, this is not the playoffs. Sure. Anyway, um, so for the Bruins, at least, my my biggest fear, which is starting to come to light, I said, honestly, it'll come down to this game against the Flyers. They came out flat from the beginning. Their first line looked not great except for Bergeron. Their second line, Krejci is playing with two kids that are under the age of 22 and he needs someone on his line that will help him. Unfortunately, that person is Pasternak, but he's on the first line. Dan, you know, they traded away Dan Hine and, and a couple of the other guys who've been on the second line with him. Last year, of course, they had Johansson, who they picked up at the trade deadline. So their second line might as well be their third line. Their third line with Charlie Coyle, their grinder line, you know, the Van Riemsdyk line, if you will, for those Flyers fans, um, looked great. And then their fourth line does what their fourth line does. Very good defensively. Put some pressure up offensively. Ended up ended up scoring a goal um, for them tonight. But Tuukka Rask being too fi- unfit to play, being sick for the last two days, concerning 1,000%. Halak, while a good backup, is not the guy, in my opinion, that'll, that'll carry them to a cup. Um, on a larger scale, Jordy, before we get into your Flyers analysis – I think let's talk about well, you know what? let's talk about your flyer analysis and then we will talk about the the four preliminary matchup or the eastern preliminary matchup as a whole and see where we end up or see who we like one two three four. Yeah, sure. Uh, I like that idea. I want to just add. I thought I did. I agree with you. I think Charlie Coyle played really well. I did text you in the middle of the game. I think maybe and they said in the other round robin game, the the Avs Blues game, that the ice is in great shape. But I feel like there's some wear and tear to it through a, a day and a half of nonstop hockey games there. And I feel like there was a couple whiffs, especially in the first period, on both sides, both the Flyers and the Bruins, including Coyle, who looked like he could have had a one-two step and splits the defenders to be all alone with Carter Hart. And it kind of, the puck just kind of bounced off of his stick. So, I don't know. I don't know if it was the ice or, or what it was. Um, but on the Flyers' side... Yeah, they came out hot. They uh, or they came out fired up for sure. Um, and little bounce, little pep. They knew how yeah, important they... this was. You know what, Jordy? Someone on the Flyers listened to the podcast, heard me say, if they win this game, they're guaranteed number three seed. So they were like, you know what? Let's go out, trounce this team, send a message. We'll trounce the Capitals, and then we'll lose the Lightning and be a second place seed. Yeah, I mean, someone, someone listened, Jordy. I'm telling you, we do have we have. We have our conspiracy theories of what 
athletes actually listen to this. I, uh, I'm still sold that Bryce Harper does. That's why I bunted. Cause you kept saying it. Um, but no, they came out, they came out with a pep in their step. And even that first line, that first line did not get on the scorebook. Nobody had an assist. Nobody had a, had a goal, but they matched up with the, the perfect line or whatever the, the Bruins call that, that first line. And they knew Couturier knew he had to try to shut him down and show that him being a finalist for the Selkie wasn't wasn't a uh, you know fluke. And same, he's matching with Bergeron a ton, um, and really they just they knew to have that pep in the step. The passing looked fairly good. There was some kind of weird passing. They they defended their zone pretty well. Um, took a few penalties that I thought you know you didn't necessarily need to do. Um, the one weakness was Haig, who did take a penalty, and then he also uh, that Chris Wagner goal went off his skate. He kind of sometimes falls into that where he gets into a weird spot, and you know, good on Wagner to take advantage of a you know having that the knock hockey uh, angle in the form of of uh, Wagner's skate to knock it in there. But I thought the team looked really good. You you and I were texting before the game too, and you're like third and fourth line for both teams is going to be key. Who's the first one to score a goal for the Flyers? It's Michael Raffle, a guy who this is his. First year was 2013-14, so this is, I think, his sixth full year with the team, seventh full year. Uh, and has had an up-and-down period where he's been super hot for the Flyers. And then uh, at one point, I think he, he didn't score a goal until January. I think that was two seasons ago. Uh, so it's good to see him get get involved early. Then he later assists the Nate Thompson goal, um, which is the second one on the day. Really helped uh, kind of establish that tone halfway through the period. And, yeah, and good on the Flyers to respond quick. It's something we... We, we've thrown it back and forth of the the uh, Marshawn game where he skates over the puck. And my defense, when you go, oh, they're sucking overtime, is they were up 5-2. Five, five, this is the kind of stuff. The Flyers of the past and pre-AV, Elaine Vigneault, they would, if they let up a goal like that late in a period, maybe they, they let off the gas a little more, they get deflated and kind of finish the period terribly. It happened in, in the Penguin series two years ago where they're up big and Gudis lets up a weird goal and then, 20 seconds later, another goal goes in. So good on Myers to, you know, take advantage of the moment and step up and immediately score right after Wagner does. And, you know, go into the intermission, the second intermission, that is, with, um, you know, with a 3-1 lead. So I was pretty yeah, happy and, to see and, this team, team play pretty well. Yeah, and as you can imagine, nothing more deflating for any team right after scoring a big goal. You know, you're down maybe one or you're down two, and then – off the next faceoff, you literally give it right back. Nothing is more deflating to any team's psyche or confidence doing that. So, uh, you know, the timing was perfect, like you mentioned. And, and, I mean, the Flyers for sure came out ready to play. They came out like the team that wanted to win. Obviously, you know, the first lines cancel each other out, and that's really what playoff hockey is. The first lines cancel each other out, you would hope, most of the time. So it really comes down to – the Justin Williams of the world, you know, the fourth, third, third and fourth line guys and, and what team and what, uh, who's going to have the depth and, and as well as the goaltending and, and the defensive help, uh, cause defense scoring in the playoffs is another, also a huge thing. Oh, so yeah. Jordy transition game by us. Phenomenal. What team would you say has of the four being Tampa, um, Boston, Tampa, Washington, and Philadelphia. Which team would you say has the best forward depth? All four lines, top to bottom, go. Ooh, that's a good question. I I still think Tampa, because they've done so well of, at least, like, granted, we said this a billion times last week, of you know, the exhibition games don't mean a ton, but 
they looked like that they could get it done from anywhere, whether it's you know their first line or their fourth line, and they make some key acquisitions that you kind of forget about in getting guys on their third and fourth line that I think can can make the moves. Now the Flyers did that this year. They added uh, Derek Grant, Nate Thompson. Nate, Nate Thompson scored today uh, to help add in that f- third and fourth line depth. Um, but I still think Tampa really has the the most complete team of all four. I think Boston's certainly second. You know, today, you know, today well, not. We're, ju- we're just taking forward lines, just forward lines. Do you think yeah, Tampa yeah. has, I, I has think the it's, top four? The, I, I would the say Tampa depth? or Boston, to be honest. Most I think depth. the Flyers are up there, but I I still think you run out ten games, just the forwards simulate it. I probably take Tampa. You know, I don't know if you should sell yourself short on the Flyers' depth. Uh, yes, Tampa probably does have one through four the best just because of Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau, the two guys who picked yeah. up the deadline. But the guys that, that like Nolan Patrick and, and the other guys the Flyers picked up, like are are you like very very much so give them some real balance and depth up and down the lineup with a with a great mix of youth and and some veteran guys as well. So you get the the balance of the youth, but also the experience of the veterans. So I mean, yes, Tampa is, is up there, but don't put the Flyers out of that uh, out of that mix. I personally think Washington probably has the, has the least. Um, yeah, I would agree with depth. that. And if the if the season had gone on probably five more games, they definitely would not be in the four seed, but um, or the three seed, whatever they ended up. But that's for another pod on a different day. Yeah, it's worth noting too. Nolan Patrick is still figuring out his stuff with his. Uh with his um, migraines that kept him out of the ice for most of the season. Uh, but he, once he's back on, it'll certainly be, uh, he'll be a, a much welcomed young gun on, on that lineup. Cause uh, certainly, you know, a lot of expectations for him being the number two pick. And that's kind of a, not a sore spot, but it's an interesting subject to talk about with a Flyers fan of where he is in the fandom. Nice. So Jordy, let's switch over to defense. Biggest defensive which, depth. Which four teams, in your opinion, has the best defense? I'd, again, I'd either go Tampa or Boston. Um, probably Tampa. Uh, although Boston's been pretty good. You know, the different injuries that they've had. They've had players step up big. So I think, uh, I don't think either can really be doubted that that heavily. And you saw it today with, with the Flyers. Of, that they really made the Flyers start to have to really pepper in shots and not try to be cute about it. They had to really work their way for it. And that's a sign of strong, strong physical defense. Yeah, and I think I think what sets Boston is I, I personally going to give it to Boston, not like not a homer pick, just that's what I believe. Yeah, just because yeah, yeah. I feel like they have a good like blend, like Bruins especially, they tend to pair offense with a defensive physical guy and and have that good balance of like they have Tory Krug with you know a nice physical defenseman, and they have Chara and McAvoy, McAvoy being the offensive guy. You know they have or Carlo and. In, and I was say, I liked, Carlo looked really good today. Yeah, and Carlo is is the second coming of Char without being six eight. But it's just like the the depth that that they have some good stay at home guys, some good jump in the play guys. It's it's a good mix. Um, you know, Philly's top six though. You know, Philip Meyer and and Stanheim looked great today. No, yeah, they did. Oh, they both look great. Um, and Haig didn't look too terrible. He probably was the weakest of the six, but uh, Sanheim has really come on strong this past year. I mean, he had the really good setup for uh, 
the first goal that Raffle had where he took a couple steps in and fed Raffle. Um, but he's like, he's really turned into this guy that can help move the puck around. Previously, that had really been Provorov and Provorov only. And I think having a guy like Niskanen come in and, and provide veteran leadership, not to use full George Army George terms, but um, that's my dad for those that don't know. Um, but like, I feel like he helped open up Provorov's game, Niskanen did, that and it, and it trickled down throughout the rest of the defensive core. Yeah, I mean, that's a uh, – yeah, I like that point. And then moving on, sorry to do that, but the Capitals, I feel like, definitely have the weakest. The only thing about Tampa, they do have a great top six, but Victor Hedman, has he, has he joined them yet? Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I kind of forgot he was uh, – not MIA. I'll, I'll look that up, but uh, finish your point. So for those for, – yeah, for those who don't know, he – is attending to personal matters, I think is what is what they're officially calling it. So I'm not sure that he's traveled to Toronto yet. I don't think he's made it. Yeah, look at that. So um, you know, to me that He apparently practiced yesterday, so he I think he should be active tomorrow. Okay, so he's in the bubble. Okay. Well so there was a while where he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, there was a while that he wasn't. I completely forgot about that. So good on you bringing it up. Yeah, no, but it's good that he's back and and etc. But Still, you know, you never really know. Maybe by by, by the actual playoffs, he will uh, he will look good, but um, or he'll be fine. The rust will be off. So anyway, um, I just feel like they Tampa's defense well, very good. I mean, they also have a good mix, like the Bruins of, of youth and old. But I think the Bruins just have the edge, maybe because they play their youth actually got a lot more games last year. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably the answer. Um, yeah. But they do have guys that have been in the in the league forever who who at least look good at, at uh, you know tw- down the stretch of the season and in, in their exhibition game. Again, I know it doesn't mean a ton, but like Luke Shen looks a lot better there than he did on the Kings after the Flyers traded him, and certainly after the Flyers, Kevin Shattenkirk's there, and you kind of forget he's hanging out there. So I don't think that's I don't think they're a team to be taken uh, lightly in that regard. No, definitely not. Um, Jordy, goaltending. I know you got Carter Hart, you got Braden Holby, Cup winner. Um, you got Vasilevsky for Tampa, who is essentially the reigning Vezina tw- winner and a finalist again this year. You got Tukaras, who probably should have won the Vezina last year. You got another finalist who made it to the cup final last year. It's probably f- at least three because Carter Hart hasn't proven himself, but he all signs point that he is a stud. But four absolute studs, including Holby being a cup winner two years ago, Ras being a cup winner as a backup, but also carrying his team to the Stanley Cup twice and and Vasilevsky who has been great in the regular season but uh hasn't won a playoff series yet however I feel like these four goalies are the real deal I would totally agree and if you're asking me which one I would take it would be Tuca I think he is the best Holpe's probably number two that I would take just because he has he won a cup two years ago and you know the Capitals kind of weird series with Carolina where you know a couple couple ounces go one way or the other, and it's maybe the Capitals that are facing the Bruins in the uh, Eastern Conference Final. We're finally getting that showdown that we've, uh, at least I've really wanted for a while, because I'd love to see that Bruins team against Ovi, but um, those are the two I'd take. Yeah, so it's so tough because, you know, you saw it last year with with um, the guy from St. Louis, and, and you saw it with... Bennington? And you, no, I don't know who that is. And you saw it with... Um, <laughs> <laughs> And you saw it with, uh, yeah, the guy who replaced Flurry there in Pittsburgh. Who, yeah, um, you know, rookies 
or whatever it may be, you know, people think that it rattles them, but sometimes being young and dumb really pays to people to advantages. And I feel like goalie in a position where you're already pretty isolated is, I feel like being the young and dumb and not knowing the circumstances helps you as a goalie more than like, if you're a veteran, you know, the stakes, Oh, I only have X money years left versus a rookie, a young guy who's like, like, fuck it. Let's go all out. I feel like you have somewhat of an advantage there. So don't will Carter Hart, but I think for the, the playoff series or not playoffs, because that's the wrong word, but these exhibition games or these seeding games, um, I don't know what the Flyers plan on to play Carter Hart the whole time, but no, I feel they're like... gonna they're they haven't said which game uh, Elliot's gonna play him, but Brian Elliott's playing either game two or game three, right? So you know I you can't necessarily give it to Philly for the for this round, um, no, definitely I, not. Yeah, I would think this I'm of not... the three, this is probably the one. And again, I love Carter Hart; uh, he's our baby. I love the guy, but I think he until you know series win some stuff there. I mean Vasilevsky notwithstanding, at least he got to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple years ago. Um, you know, last year he didn't look very good against Columbus, but uh, I agree with you. I think that's probably the – their flyer staff that come in fourth, I think. I like it. Um, so I'm going to probably go with, with Vasilevsky just because Tampa's a team that's going to play him every single game. I can't imagine they won't. That's a good uh, point. T- they do love yeah. to really run him into the ground. Yeah, he's Russian. And then Tuka was sick. Apparently last days, like I said, and Halak looked terrible today. What, so what kind of sickness is it? They undisclosed, but they said it's not COVID. But he wasn't feeling good yesterday, and, and obviously wasn't good enough to go today. So he was on the bench, though, right? That was him talking to. No, uh, he didn't even get dressed. Oh, he didn't he even get dressed. Didn't even come. Who to the was stadium. the backup to Halak? Who was he talking to when they pulled him? Um, yeah, they. It was just. Hang on, I have it. It was a rookie they pulled. Not a rookie, but they're third Providence goalie goalie i think it was dan vladder i don't know their backup i mean maybe like that ah, okay. i don't know yeah yeah yeah. i don't know um, yeah. but hold on let me look yeah that, that's what it looks like on yahoo <laughs> not the smoothest but um jordy let's go to the next thing let's go to well fun fact here just for those keeping a score at home the capitals had the best road record in the league so maybe the neutralized thing will be their advantage and Alex Ovechkin scores way more goals on the road. Now the the Bruins were a much better home team. Flyers were a much better home team. Yep, and Tampa was uh, I want to say better on the road, but not as good as as the Capitals. Um, but a little fun fact: Jordy, special teams advantage between the four. What do you got? Uh, I would say for the power play, it's probably the Capitals that. Setup they do where Ovi's hanging out in the high slot on the left side is uh, pretty deadly. I know Tampa's is pretty solid, but uh, it's hard to go against Ovi and how prolific he is from that spot. But that include we're talking about penalty, penalty kills as well. Oh, you're doing both. Okay. Um, yeah, they're special penalty, teams. They're penalty All kills. Special teams. Okay, I, I wasn't sure if you're doing PK and PP separately. Um, in that case, I'd probably go. I'd probably give it to the Bruins. Their penalty kill is pretty solid. Um, I don't have Tampa's penalty kill number in front of me, but I feel like they're better on the penalty or power play than the yeah. penalty. Uh, they were 13th in penalty kill, so not terrible. But they're fi- yeah. fifth best power play in the NHL uh, and yeah. the top scoring offense. But Yeah. I mean, and Kovalchuk, I mean, yeah, the Capitals had Kovalchuk, so that Yeah, helps that, that's more. big too, yeah. Um, 
you're right. The Bruins had had the best penalty kill in the Eastern Conference this year, and and were up there in power play. Had one of the had the best power play in the Eastern yeah, Conference. Two, two and three sure. for PP and PK. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that's the NHL, but Eastern Conference for sure. So, I feel like you have to give it to Boston, but yeah, exactly. you know, based based on today and the fact that there's no chemistry and they're, I like that Cassie pulled the goalie at the end super early and got the got the five on four and then, and then the six on five and again the five on four just so those guys can get a little more power play time because i'm sure even running on air and there wasn't a lot of it in the in the exhibition game but it's tough i feel like boston but again they came out flat today so who knows um should we switch to the west coast or do the actual series in the east let's do the series in the east and then go to the west coast all right, Jordy. Uh, Pittsburgh and Montreal, number five. Pittsburgh Penguins, 12 Montreal Canadiens. Jordy, uh, first line. No, no, sorry. Forward depth. Uh, I would give the forward depth to the Penguins. I think, it, if anything, we saw that throughout the season when Crosby got hurt, Malkin got hurt, Jake Hensel was hurt for a good amount of the year. We talked about it last week. Him coming back is vitally important for the Penguins. Um, now, obviously, we have seen a game the Canadians won last night, and it was really what everybody said. You know, oh, if Carey Price stands on his head. Carey Price stood on his head, and it was still, you know, a couple bounces away from the Penguins winning. So I I think that their forward death is going to, even in a five-game series, really show its, its gusto over the Canadians. If not tomorrow night, Monday night for game two, uh, then, you know, certainly in game three and four and, and the rest of the series. Yeah, and it's tough because I feel like that's a that's a Claude Julien type team being, you know, ha- have a good goaltending, play good defense, get a lead and hold on to it. So if if Pittsburgh can just score first and get out early, I feel like this should have well, coming into it I would have said 3 or but Maybe now I'll say four. I mean, maybe. Yeah, maybe I think it, it's. An, I think I think they're fine. I mean, maybe Montreal pushes it to five games, but I think ultimately Pitch, Pittsburgh does it. Sorry. Well, I think the big difference too in that first game is Montreal went up not just one nothing, but two nothing. So the Penguins really had to dig themselves out of that. So I feel like if it is only one nothing for as long as it is, I feel like as soon as it gets tied at one one, whereas it gets tied up late two two, and then the Penguins even had the fucking penalty shot where they didn't, you know, execute on it. And then the Canadians did an overtime and, and eventually end up scoring a game winner. But I think that's, I think you have to not only just get up one, nothing, you have to keep pushing at this team because they are so depth, so deep and will, uh, you know, they'll make you pay if you take your foot off the gas pedal for even just a second. Yeah. I, I'm, I thousand agree. Uh, and th- like you said, their depth, their talent, it's just you can't not be that physical team, which Montreal might be able to do it this series, but let's say somehow they sweep by a win. There's no chance, in my opinion, they, they do that again. Yeah, they have to um, face Tampa, who I think we both think is going to be number one. They're, they don't have a shot there. Yeah, um, with any of these teams, really. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, you think about it, and the – Everyone's just as physical as them, whereas Pittsburgh might, is not as physical. Like, all four of these teams are physical, just like the Canadians. So, 
I agree. Um, Jordy, not to keep it short on them, but sorry. Sorry, Pittsburgh. Sorry, Jared. Carolina, number six, Carolina Hurricanes, number 11, New York Rangers. Jordy, um, you want to recap the game the other night? Yeah, so first game of the new playoffs uh, started immediately with a tilt, which is awesome. But Carolina ends up pulling it out. Three to two. The Rangers made the interesting decision, or really Dan Quinn, their coach, did, to start David. Henri- to start Hank. And uh, Henrik's, uh, I almost said Henrik Zetterberg, Henrik Lundqvist in goal. Uh, we talked about a little bit in the previous episode of that they have a lot of different options. And that's probably the biggest question coming out of it. But, you know, the Rangers scored two goals. Benajad had a goal. You know, um, you can't really be terribly upset with what the team threw out there. But um, Carolina, you know, this is, a, this is a team that I think knows that, the, I don't want to say the world is doubting them, but this is a team that we didn't think was going to be able to do what they did last year and replicate it. And who are the guys that scored for them? Sebastian Ajo, Sebastian Ajo Nino Niederreiter, and Jacob Slavin, guys who've been absolutely solid for them. Two, uh, two of Teravainen had an assist in the game. These big names that Carolina just slowly but surely acquired throughout the years and are the reason why that they've you know, brought themselves back into the forefront when a couple of years ago they get this new owner – and nobody's going to games, and everybody's wondering what the hell is happening. And now, granted, they're not in Raleigh to do the storm surge, but the storm surge is real, and it's made its way up to Toronto. So I think, uh, you know, I think I'd said Carolina. My heart wanted to say the Rangers, partially because I like that team a lot, and I also don't want to see them somehow end up with the first overall pick. Cause that's the last thing that any hockey fans need is the Rangers to have just a talk about depth, just a whole onslaught of awesome forwards um with Lafreniere but uh yeah I still think Carolina I think now at uh I don't want to say a sweep but I want to think that they win it in four yeah it's tough because like the Rangers couldn't have played less of their game exactly and and more of Carolina's game so it's hard to say and think that they do that again but I guess that's what Carolina does to teams they they force them to play Carolina style hockey and force them to, you know, not like the Rangers want to run and gun. They want to be the new age of hockey, the fast, the up and down, the team that skates with anybody. And it's a skill skate game. Carolina has those guys, but their first instinct is finish checks, playoff hockey battle, you know, really get physical teams and knock them off their, their line, if you will. and, And knock them, you know, three feet, four, whatever, two inches left or right and just out of their um, really way. So to me, I, I have to agree. I feel like Carolina, you think, has it easy with them, but um, with the Rangers, I mean, an easy way of doing it. But I, I wouldn't count out the Rangers just yet just because of the depth they have and, and that that first line. Is very and good. The, yeah, and the skill they have is very good as well. But it's tough because you would think goaltending – with the three goalies that they have, I granted uh, the young guy Igor Shesterkin. Yeah, he was That's again. Than I would have gotten. He had a Tuka Rass illness. Didn't even dress. Didn't play game one. So we'll see. I believe game Monday might be game two. We'll see what happens there. But um, I don't know. I I mean. 
yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I think it's worth mentioning because you mentioned the Rangers' depth. That the the Hurricanes have some serious depth too, with some bigger names in terms of the veteran category. Obviously, Justin Williams is the big one. Mister Game Seven. Jordan Stahl is still hanging around there. Um, I mean, Brock McGinn. He's on their fourth line, and and he really did a good job yes, yesterday, and you know, kind of roughed up where he needed to. Got a penalty in there. Williams is the guy who got in the fight early on in the game. Trocheck, who, you know, th- this was. You know, the, the Hurricanes kind of out of nowhere trade for him, and he you know, comes off the comes off the score sheet with nothing, but nothing in points that is, but is a vital part of that of that of his line. And I don't know, I just think um, I think that they are a team that could. We talked about this last week of other teams that could uh, that are in the qualifiers that could sneak their way through it. I I know you have your own personal gripes with the Carolina Hurricanes, but I I mean, if they make some sort of run like that again, I I wouldn't be shocked to see them upset a, a round robin team yeah and i agree that they they have the makings of being a team that can go deep and be that physical and, and can make a run again but it is their goalie situation yeah it scares me it's different yeah. than last year right it's hard and, to buy and, into it you're right yeah it's different than last year you're right and, and it's just scary to me and and i think that i mean i'm not convinced the rangers don't win this in five you know i think for the Rangers fans, they couldn't have played worse. The That's Rangers fair. couldn't. Yeah, yeah. The Rangers could not have played worse. They, in theory, took Carolina's best shot and only lost by a goal with Henrik Lundqvist, who, for all intents and purposes, was supposed to be their backup goalie. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so, so, I mean, if you saw the first goal, it was a defenseman. Yeah, it was cut back door, and he put it bar down, and Lundqvist was down before the guy even caught the puck. So. If you have a different goalie, maybe he makes a save, blah, blah, blah. But the point is that the Rangers, with, with their quote-unquote backup goalie again, even though Lundqvist is nobody's backup, so it's hard to put that label on him, but they couldn't have played worse and took Carolina's best shot and still lost by a goal. So to me, I just feel like I would not be surprised if the Rangers come back and win this in five. I'd love to see this go five games. Um... I think it would. I mean, unless Carolina just absolutely – Dames and the Rangers come out like timid again and, and come out, I guess, scared to take contact like they did in game one, then yeah, I could see Carolina easily going one, boom, 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 one, two, three. But I think if the Rangers, okay, they got their feet wet, they had their first playoff game, they, they took Carolina's best shot, lost by a goal, now it's time to strap up and see what we can do. Yeah. My only fear, I guess, for the Rangers is is I like Carolina's fourth line a little bit more. Although I do really like the Rangers' decor, their their decor is pretty solid. Um, I mean, and you mentioned it, like of playing any worse. I think the only way that you could look at this decor stat sheet and say how could it have been worse when Mark Stahl has a goal, you have a, you have a couple defensive assists. Truba and Brendan Smith are minus one and minus two respectively, but like you have Tony D'Angelo getting in the mix there, Adam Fox getting in the mix. These are guys that have been doing it all season. And they're usually good for a few points. So you're right. If they're playing better, then it's not inexcusable to think that, or out of the, the realm of possibility to think that, you know, th- these could be some high scoring affairs. And especially if Morazic isn't miraculous. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it wasn't. I don't know. I don't know if he was that tonight yeah. or yesterday. But game, game two, you did ask, is Monday at noon. Wow. So they're, they're another noon game. March Madness is coming to hockey. August Madness. 
I, yeah, anyway, crazy. Jordy, number seven, New York Islanders, number 10, Florida Panthers. Uh, play the game already, Jordy. Give us a little recap. Tell us what happened. Yeah, so the Islanders and the Panthers go in. Um, you know, we, we've seen this all year out of the Islanders, and this is what happened in the playoff game of they get a lead. You talked about it with with uh, the Claude Julien-led Montreal Canadiens, and this is exactly what a Barry Trotz team does too. They get a lead. They hold on to it. They go up 2 nothing, and Florida tried their best really early on. They're, they score a goal in the third period. Huberto gets on the board, and it looks like the Panthers might make some sort of charge. But the Islanders hold on, and they know how to figure that out. Uh, same in Vermalov, who has had just a crazy career for me, an awesome goalie out in Colorado, and he's done it again with the Islanders. Uh, stood on his head, saved 27 of 28 shots. And this team, they really buy into what Trotz is selling them. And, and you know, they didn't allow a ton of shots. And granted, they're, uh, they also only had 28 shots on the board, but they got it done. They played a physical game. And the best part of it is that they didn't take too many penalties. Um, you know, they, they forced Florida to get into the box, which I think also helps with their strategy of stepping back and, and being able to be a little more defensive. And when you have a power play, that helps, you know, they're, you know, you're not really spending a lot of time in your own defensive zone at that point. Yeah. I, um, I don't, I don't disagree, Jordy. Um, and it was a good game. I mean, did you watch it at all or no? I caught a bit. I caught bits and pieces of it. We had uh, basketball on and off, and and all that good stuff. And it, it I don't think it was on TV, but uh, we got bits and pieces. So, let's take this. Let's take it forward depth. What do you got? I actually like Florida's forward depth a lot. Yeah. Um, their team, granted, they just traded Trocheck to uh, Carolina earlier this year, but they still have a, a very solid team that uh, has a mix of some young guys, a mix of some guys that have been there before. Um, yeah, I, I like that a lot. I know the Islanders certainly are built for built for this style, but they are also loaded loaded with uh, names that you've heard before, names that if you've watched hockey forever, like a Derek Broussard or. Um, Pago or Matt Martin or Cal Clutterbuck, like these guys, that you've, they, their names have popped around in, in certain discussions, whether it's podcasts, analysts talking about it on TV. Um, but but that's not really the name of the game for them. They they all have a role to play and they know how to play it. It's it's like the montage from Moneyball the movie. Um, so I do like Florida's depth and at Florida a lot better. Those guys can explode. They can score some goals. Um, but they just match so differently. There's such different schools of thought to really think one side versus the other. Clearly the Islanders had it in the first game, but Florida could come out and score four goals tomorrow. And, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And that's the, I think that's the key is, is the Islanders are a team that they very much want to get a lead early, establish their, establish their, their defensive, almost trap trap type game, but their team defensive game get a lead early and just protect it, right? They have the goaltenders, in their opinion, to do that. They have the defense to really, like, Barry Trot style, like, really stay at home, lock down defense. And I don't know, I just feel like the Islanders, 
if they can score first and like they didn't like they did uh, in game one, they have the ability to do that. Now, like you said, last year when they played Carolina, they scored five goals in four games or four goals in five games, something like that. So it's like they, their goal scoring can just go away. But the Panthers have been a team and they were a team all year. They're very much like a lacrosse style team. They're very much win games, six, five, five, four. They want to, they're sacrificing defense to score more offense, right? They have a guy leaving the zone early. They have, you know, they play an up-tempo, let's get the puck out and just go with it. And a lot of times they get beat. They get caught in odd man situations. They have five, four guys down low, and it's a three-on-one going the other way and a run-and-gun style, lacrosse-style game. So to me, it comes down to Bobrovsky. Like, he has proven since he got paid and he had one good playoff run, he has not been the same goalie, whether it's, you know, you can blame whatever we want. He did not look good in game one. No. The first, the goal he let up was pretty soft. And and if he's going to do that, then I think the Islanders take it out. But if the Islanders go on a gold, gold drought, I think I really think uh, the Panthers could end up winning. I think it's a – I think it's five. Yeah, I think it's five gamer. games. Yeah, yeah same. So, same. breaking news, Nazim Kadri, your favorite, Greg, Scores with one second to go. Colorado wins over the Blues in the first Western Conference round-robin game. Your boy is three for three on the day. You want to hear about my winners, Craig? I'm telling you about my winners. Uh, Teaser for the end of the show. All right. So, yeah, I think we're no. We'll do, we'll do it. We'll do we'll do it in between the East and the West. We have one more series in the East, and then we'll pop. We'll do your we'll do your your picks. We'll pop over to the West. Okay. So uh, Columbus and, and and Toronto playing right now. Nothing, nothing. Um, Columbus is the little engine that could. This is a team that nobody thought was going to do anything. Trot, uh, not Trots, Tortorella. Uh, you know, we talked about when he got nominated for Jack Adams, Coach of the Year. Uh, he really got these guys to really buy into being a team that uh, wants to step up big time and, and show – Almost like the narrative you heard about Vegas two years ago. Everybody doubts you. Nobody wants you to be good. Prove them wrong. And this is what this team has done. Pascal Dupuy, Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones, who quite literally, you know, he's number four pick for, for Nashville, comes over to Columbus a few years ago and has been nothing but a stud for them. But this team has been, or uh, not Pascal Dupuy, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, I saw the French name and wires got crossed Greg Pascal Dupuy a lot of nightmares as a Flyers fan um but yeah I mean this team though is awesome and they uh I mean if they get it going it's great and it's it's tough they run into this team in in the Maple Leafs that has Austin Matthews a team that I feel like is the the super the super team that should have been am I wrong to think that you're you have a lot more experiences of seeing the Blue Jays than uh, the Maple Leafs than I do but I feel like seeing the number of guys that are on there, the amount that a lot of them are getting paid, I feel like this is a team that frequently, and not just and the, add on the fact that they're in one of the largest markets in the NHL, should go 82-0 and every year, and it feels like anything is a letdown. So there's the pressure of being Toronto, playing in Toronto, versus this Columbus team who nobody really thought they were going to do anything anyway, and Tortorella's probably selling that to him at, uh, again and being like, this is the 8-9, we're the series nobody's talking about, blah, 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 blah. 
And I feel like that that may translate onto the ice. Granted, right now it's 0-0, but I don't know. That's, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. I know that's not the greatest analysis, and we can jump into it with players, but that's kind of the highbrow to look at this. Yeah, and, and I like – I mean, I kind of like that thing in both these teams. You know, the – Columbus Blue Jackets lost. They they lost the Bruins last year and made it pretty far, and they upset Tampa and, and had a crazy road. But they lost the majority of the guys that got them there, if you will. Yeah. Especially Bobrovsky and, and Panarin. And Panarin and a bunch of other players. The whole point is that they went for broke for it last year. It didn't work out. They had injury after injury this year and really got lucky with – not lucky, but the development of their goaltenders, Elvis and Eunice – both of them played unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Both of them ultimately are a reason why they're here. Seth Jones probably, in my opinion, one of the better young stud defensemen in the oh, league. Oh, absolutely. And, and maybe not – yeah, uh, yeah. Um, two-way guy. And then Toronto – He's probably one of my favorite defensemen, Seth Jones is. In the I don't disagree with you. Yeah. yeah, I don't disagree with you, mainly because he's American. But um, Toronto is such a – enigma because they're how do i put this they're the i don't know the it's hard there's no other analogy but they're they're the team that you're like they have the top forwards right they have they have am i wrong just like call them the super team that, that isn't like no but they're not really super team they have yeah. the big names they have the big names on the top two lines but it drops off dramatically after that. Their defense is suspect. And Freddie Anderson, sure, he's had to put up with the Bruins offense the last couple of playoffs, and he's a serviceable. Is he going to win you a cup? Is he that type of goalie? I mean, I have to – I feel like at this point I have to say no because he, he hasn't done that. So, to me, it just feels like a team that – I, I they have the big names, sure, and and they they're getting these contracts, but it, without depth, we've. I mean, the Blue Jackets are that exact perfect example. Like, you don't necessarily need an absolute stud to 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 win it all. You need depth. You need the like you're saying, Pierre Luc Dubois, Dubois, and and all these other guys who are down a list that could turn around and, and do it like Cam Atkinson at one point was the top guy. Now he's, you know, I didn't want to mention him, but oh, sorry. <laughs> but the point is that, you know, they, they, I don't know. Boone Jenner, Foligno. You I don't mean, need like, these are guys yeah. that have been around forever on that team. Right. Riley Nash, like, and, and you don't need, I guess my point is that you don't, you don't necessarily need a, a stud. Like, I mean, you do, but you don't need a stud. Like, like um, Matthews and, and Marner there, you need them, sure, but like what they only get you so far, right? Like we talked about, every first line neutralizes every first line, and in theory, every second line neutralizes the second line. It comes down to the third and fourth line, and that's the difference of winning a cup and losing a cup. You figure if you get to the cup, the goalies have been good enough to get you there, right? You figure the first and second lines have been good enough to get you there. The power play—I mean, the Bruins when they won the cup scored zero power play goals the entire playoffs. So the point is that it really comes down to, in my opinion, in the playoffs, those third and fourth lines, and that's the reason why Toronto 
has come up short. Their top line, two lines produce, you know, they take the Bruins seven games, top two lines produce, but what happens? It's the bottom lines that, that carry the team. So this is a tough one for me. Ultimately, I think I'm going Toronto. Um, yeah, I yeah. am too. I think, I just think it eventually powers them through. I know that the Columbus goalie situation is really good. Um, but I don't know if that's a Cinderella story that that midnight's coming or is it going to push you further? I just feel like that they, as Elvis, deep as they are. Elvis, sorry, Elvis, their, their guy, sorry to cut you off, the goaltending, Elvis, good, their, their, their stud guy, he didn't play in the preseason game against the Bruins and or whatever exhibition game and didn't even dress. So I don't know what's going on there, but sorry, continue your point. No, no, I was just going to say, like, I just think that it is something where we've seen it with the Maple Leafs where they've gone up, they've won three games, they've gone up 3-2. I think both the last two years they went up 3-2 on the Bruins and blew it. Um, they know how to like how to start these series out strong. And if they win this game, I, I could see them winning it in four. I, I like it in five, but I, I do like Toronto to have a slight edge here. Yeah, and I think ultimately Toronto – gets done just because of the five like you're saying the five game series this has gone seven or if this was last year's columbus team maybe um it's different but to me i just i mean maybe 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 we're both crazy maybe toronto comes out and just curb stomps columbus and like yeah it's, fuck it's all you guys but, the second period and there's no score yet so we could yeah. both be dead wrong by the time this podcast ends we'll keep well, you updated uh, with the score you can but again, hear me and Greg freak out as the score updates. But, but again, it's it's Colum- I mean, I mean, it's the what we were talking about the other series. It's, it's Columbus of of a physical team, and Toronto is a team that wants to get out running gun. You know, it's almost like the Rangers and and Hurricanes all over again. Um, but anyway, Jordy, give us your gambling picks. Move on to the West, and we'll keep the West quick since the East was an hour. No, I like it. Uh, so. Yeah, I went with the Yotes today. We're going to talk about them, but they beat the Predators. They uh, beat them pretty handily. I had the Flyers. Had to go with them. I don't normally like betting on the Flyers, but uh, figured you know new new uh, or unpause the season, unpause the betting on the Flyers. So I did that, uh, and then I had the, the Avalanche. We're going to talk about them in a minute. Um, we'll be talking about the Round Robin, but I really like that Avalanche team. If you listened to the last episode, I think they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but. I'm uh, excited to see how they did. We'll talk about how they looked uh, in a second because I watched the first two periods before we came on to record. Uh, but I had them, and then I have, for the rest of the night, I have the Maple Leafs for this game, and then I have the Minnesota Wild. We talked about it a little bit on Thursday, but we'll break it down a little more as we get there. But I, I like the experience that Minnesota has comparatively to Vancouver, although I like their lineup a lot. But, Greg, the Western Conference. You want to start in the round robins or you want to go series? Jordy, congratulations on winning money and playing a whole bunch of golf this weekend. I'm I'm so happy that you had such a good weekend and and the best thing that happened to you was that your roommate fiance is going to be on a very uh, popular website uh, and create a podcast that is national. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. She uh, recorded it today. Hopefully, at the start of the show, but it's gonna hopefully, be awesome. hopefully the bullpen cart is a sponsor, and that way we get some. Uh, I said some that plugs. we need to, need to get some plugs. Uh, but anyway, Western Conference, Greg, round robin, first game got in the books. We just updated you. Colorado wins two one, beats St. Louis, and 
I gotta tell you, the avalanche in that game, the thing the that St. Louis, I, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas. Those yes, are the four those teams. are the four teams. First game was tonight. Uh, Vegas and Dallas play tomorrow. Same thing with the uh, Tampa, Washington. Um, but Colorado, actually, both teams were pretty undisciplined, um, and you know the the Blues. They took advantage of it. Actually, both teams did. They both had power play goals. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of weird because both of these teams had had been so solid at not taking penalties, but also at capitalizing. Both teams have great power plays at seeing who, you know, when the other when one team does that. Now, St. Louis, we saw it last year when they won the Stanley Cup. Very physical team. Colorado, a little less so, although... They add a guy like Kadri for that exact purpose to be a little more physical, get in people's faces, help out with that. They added Pierre uh, Pierre Edward Belmar, who he took a penalty late in the game too, and and St. Louis didn't capitalize. But he's another guy who used to be on the Flyers, very solid depth forward, helps out with the physicality. Uh, so maybe this is it for him. I I do really like their team and what they're bringing in there. Bennington started for the Blues and Philip Grubauer, a guy who I think. If you really like what Braden Holtby brings to the table, Grubauer is is him. I would almost call him Holtby Light. If you remember him from that that run that the Capitals had, where they're down two nothing against against the Blue Jackets, and Grubauer comes in, helps him get right back in that series. They win in four in a row, um, and it, you know now he, now he's the spotlight on him in Denver. But they're a really solid team. Miko Rantanen, he was hurt for uh, a decent amount, and he's another guy we talked about with Gensel. Talked about with a number of different dudes who's healthy now, and he got on the board. You know, he helped out uh, pretty big tonight. So, I don't know. I like I like this Colorado team a lot. There was a hit that I think that if you you may now at this point in time that you're listening to this hear about if if there is going to be any further punishment. But Gabriel Landeskog, the Colorado captain, did they didn't call it boarding. They gave him two minutes for it. Maybe should have been a double minor, but as a blues player, I forget who it was, uh, was falling into the boards and, and kind of taking a turn. Landis Scott pushed him in the back and he fell much further into it. And even the NBC sports crew was a little shocked that it was only a two minute penalty. So that's something to keep an eye out on. If that's the case, I like this. Um, well, actually it's the round Robin, but if that's the case, then maybe Colorado takes a step and maybe they don't get the one seed, but I do like this Colorado team a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, the I think you nailed it. I mean, Colorado is just they have that youth energy that that will can propel them to get the one seed through this four game thing here. The Golden Knights I think are going to use this three game tune up um, to sort of get healthy and and get some chemistry back. I'm not sure that they're as invested as, at getting uh, the one seed as as the Avalanche seem to be based on game one and. I mean the Blues are the Blues, right? The Blues, the Blues, the blues are, don't need the, they don't need the top seed, and, they, and I think they know that. So they're coming. Not, in. Yeah, yeah, not even that. They it's similar, you know. They know their game. They have probably the best. They have the most depth offensively, defensively, and and I mean it's a toss up between Bennington and and uh, um <clears throat> and uh, Mark Andre Fleury as to who I would take realistically in the yeah. in, a, in a in a final. Um, so. Let me ask you this. Does it surprise you Tyler Bozak was third in time on the ice for the Blues? Because it shocked me a little bit of how much he got on the ice. No, because I think they're 
Not they're playing it smart. Well, he he was up with them. Um... Yeah, he was up on the first line. Yeah. So that, that was kind of my thought of like Tarasenko, who'd been hurt a little bit this year too. He was on the second line. And granted, they can really like we talk about this a lot in the baseball show of plug and play and where they put guys like Oscar Sundquist down on the fourth line. They could move him up and, and all this sort of stuff. I just thought it was interesting that Bozak was up there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you never know. Maybe they they need a you know that that enforcer type yeah, on the first line because yeah. um, Maroon was that guy last year and he's gone this year, right? Yeah, yeah. He's on he's on Tampa. Yeah. So they had that not enforcer, but they had that protector, the the Tom Wilson type on that first line, and and they don't necessarily have that this year. Um, so maybe that was why, but. Not that he's an enforcer, but <laughs> some meat. Um, yeah, I mean, so St. Louis knows how to do it. They have that ability, but, you know, Zakic and the Avalanche really, really tried to beef up their bottom bottom guys um, in the I, time I think off. they did a great and, job. Yeah, and obviously Cowdery scores night, like you mentioned, the guy they picked up. So that's big. Um, you know, I just – I mean, losing tonight puts them in the two seed probably. And, and I mean, the stars are a great defensive team in their own right. And, and they will, they have the top six forwards, but you know, after the top, yeah, top six, the two lines, but after that, you know, what can they do? So realistically, I, I think the stars probably beat the Knights and, and avalanche blue stars Knights. Yeah. I like that. I think, um, I think you you made a really good point in saying that they're going to try to feel it out to see where, with Vegas, of where they're at, who's healthy, how they can play it. Uh, one thing we saw with Vegas is that they made some some depth move depth moves as well uh, when they unloaded Oscar Subban to or not Oscar Malcolm Subban to the Blackhawks and uh, you just add some depth depth in there. So I think. I don't know. I, I, I like their lineup a lot. It, it is pretty deep. We saw, we mentioned it, the, the Island of Misfits Toys attitude they took two years ago. Um, and I think also there's that chip on their shoulder of last year. They got screwed in that call against San Jose. So, I don't know. I, I think, though, that you're right. I feel like the the thought that they know they don't need to be the top seed and get home ice in later in the later series uh, to you know have that last change and all that sort of stuff, I think they... They come into this almost with, I don't know, playing, feeling like they're playing with house money, and they kind of can mess around with a couple things, see what works, see what doesn't work. But, yeah, I'd say it's them or Dallas, whoever wins that game tomorrow, gets three and the other gets two. And I, I'd i love to say that, that one of them can hopscotch St. Louis, but I just think that St. Louis team is so deep that you cannot doubt them. And not even just because they're the reigning Stanley Cup champions and any cliche stuff you want to throw there, but just the depth that they have – and the relentlessness that they bring to the they bring to the table, no matter who it is, no matter what lines out there, I just think that that can't be discounted. Yeah, and I think tonight's game, if anything, proved the Blues that there is no Bruins rust. Right? They know that they they came out and were firing and, and doing well and scored in the first, had the first goal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Obviously, they would have liked to win and send a message, but I feel like in their locker room, they're happy with the results just because they, you know, went out, started fast, started hot, knew, know that they can do it because they did it last year. And realistically 
want to top two seeds they can get a favorable matchup and in that regard but they know they're they know they'll probably see these teams again they're not gonna do anything that's not on film already and and sort of they're not going to give away their entire hand if you will and i don't want to say go 95 percent out of 100 but i feel like in a seven game series you know blue's going to going 100 percent abs going 100 percent like abs 100 percent tonight and one like you said with one second left so realistically i feel like the blues probably uh probably take it in the seven game series but jordy yeah, i would think so too number five edmonton others 12 chicago blackhawks uh game one of the entire pl- uh i don't even know what we call this is this the playoff series um yeah, the qualifying round yeah uh, the blackhawks came out and curb stomped the Oilers in the first two periods. Yeah, so they the big name you need to know is Kubalik. Dominic Kubalik. He had five points, two goals, both in the power play, three assists, and this guy was all over the ice. But Taves had two goals. Brendan Sod got involved. Oli Mata. These big names outside of Kubalik got involved in it. Edmonton tried to make a run at it. The Blackhawks did score a seventh goal on an empty net, so it should have been 7-4, but they, uh, a player was a like a hair offside, so they reversed the call. But the Blackhawks showed that this mentality of we have this veteran presence, they, they took that, that narrative that, if you want to say it was fabricated or not, they made it real, and they showed that they're not stepping down quick. They're not going to, you know, roll over because they're this team that got lucky that they got pulled in. Edmonton on the other side, I think what's the spin zone for it. And granted, the goalie play was not good out out of Koskinen or Smith. And granted, Koskinen comes in relief and looks a lot better, but it was not good. But I think that's that's probably the best thing is that it can only get better. And yeah, you have McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle all get a goal and two assists. And that's probably the biggest problem is that the Edmonton Oilers, similar to that Toronto, is that their second and third line, not too deep. But I feel like that – and it, like it's crazy to say, oh, three points isn't enough or, oh, they can do better than that. But McDavid and Dreitzel can do better than that. So I feel like that's still something that helps push this team. Um, now, that being said, their their defensive core is, is interesting – I don't want to say it's not deep or it's not – it is or isn't deep, I should say. Um, it's interesting, though. With guys like Nurse, Ethan Bear, Clefbaum I think is great. I think he's a little bit underrated. Um, Adam Larson's pretty solid dude, even though he was minus two. Uh, but I, interesting is the, is what comes to mind with this team. It's, it's a bunch of studs and then guys that when they're on look like they're superstars but can be off a lot more times than, uh, than you yeah, want them to be. Yeah, and it's similar, you know, it's similar to the – it's easy to – it's easy to look good when McDavid and Dreitzel score first, and then you ha- you have a lead, and you're playing with a little more freedom as opposed to being down and you, you, or being in a zero-zero game. You can't make a mistake. I, th- I thought something interesting that the Blackhawks did that other teams might want to consider, but the Blackhawks went the Kane line, then their third line, then the Taves line, then their fourth line. So yeah. they – it wasn't back-to-back shifts so of Tate and Tame. Yeah, they staggered it. It went every other. And 
going every other to me is a, is a great interesting strategy because you don't front load your yeah you get you know you want some cohesiveness to build shifts build off each other in theory you go you get one shift leading into another which momentum can cause a goal but this way you kind of keep the other teams off balance you get a potential unfavorable matchup doing every other and realistically you're asking your third and fourth line to just keep the puck out of the d zone and keep that momentum in the offensive zone and and i don't want to say space field till the next superstar comes on the ice but i thought it was a great strategy in game one and and because i feel like like you were saying the blackhawks just have more depth top to bottom on the forward line like one they through, really do one through, yeah one they have through guys four. like they have guys like to bring it high more on their fourth line guys who kind of they play physical game and, and know how to get it done and i think that's a that's a something that can't be thrown away here at first i thought this was a layup for the for the oilers but now seeing this first game and kind of really taking a look under the hood i i really think this is going to go five games yeah i i mean i i mean we said the other night ah, this is the series that everyone's picking the blackhawks and this is the series that everyone's like oh if there's a there's time for the blackhawks to do it, it's now but you know, can the Blackhawks score six goals again? You know, that's the that's the problem. Right? That's the big question mark. Crawford yeah, Crawford was hurt a little bit in the exhibition period and the start of the bubble. Comes in, looks okay. They had Malcolm Subban; they can throw in. They traded Robin Lehner for him. An so, untested, unknown Malcolm Subban. Yeah, exactly. Who has, who's he's been he's a career backup? Before. Yeah, well, he's been a career backup. Yeah, yeah so, he's young. He's young, but he was you know career backup. But that's the thing is if the Blackhawks can come out and score four or five goals in three of the five games and win those, then sure, I think the Blackhawks move on. But this series is just who's going to score more, and you have to think, like you said, that that. Drysaddle and McDavid are, you know, Water's going to find its level, and those two are going to go off. But they scored in Game One and just got beat. Yeah, that's you know, the crazy thing. The they depth, both had three you know? points, and it's they lost. Um, yeah, and it was a power play game. It was a power play field game. So maybe if both teams stay out of the box, maybe maybe that gives the advantage to the Oilers. But I, I very easily could see the uh, Blackhawks winning. Jordy, let's move over. Really quick before we do, oh, go ahead. I want to ask you about this, just because the Blackhawks is what made me notice it, is that they are doing, they talked about that they're bringing in like team noises, team sounds, and music and all that, and I noticed the Blackhawks designated quote-unquote away team, they were playing their own goal horn, Chelsea Dagger. I love that. What What is your thought on it, that they're, pl- that they're giving both teams their usual fanfare? Yeah, they were doing that for everyone, right? Yeah, they're doing it for everybody, but I noticed it. I first noticed it with Chicago because that da 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 is so. It's etched in my brain from ten years ago in that Stanley Cup final, but it's so unique and it's so easy to hear. So that's what that's what made me think of it. So I wanted to bring it up now. Yeah, I mean it's tough because you're essentially taking away any and all home ice advantage. I get you don't want a, a completely quiet arena when the away team scores, but I feel like there is something to be said about. You know, yes, it's neutralized, but you're the away team. You shouldn't have that those advantages. Sure, you can do it in, in the neutral or the, the, the round robin, but in elimination series, I'm not sure that that's the right move. Do you think the Flyers are getting pumped up hearing, like, like Kane, uh, Kane and Taves are hearing Chelsea Dagger, and they're like, yeah, it's like 10 years ago. It was like 2013, like 2014 or 15, where – we're ready to rare now. 
I mean, let me ask you a question. If if you know that this is your song and, and you know that every time you score they're they're playing this, you're telling me that you're not gonna Yeah, I am. I'm that's fucking... what I mean. So Yeah, so... but I'm I'm some but every amateur... home team, every home team, it's like Pavlog's dog. You know, you know when that song's played. So. You know that the crowd's amped. Your team just scored, so it's like you want it. But you, there's no crowd. So. But I'm saying that it's Pavlog's dog. You know, you want to repeat that feeling. That might be that might have been the biggest stretch ever done on this podcast. But the point is that are you walking you know, the dog or is the dog the walking sound, you? The sound, the sound can trigger those those emotions of hey, we just scored. Let's 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 go. Uh, so. Yeah, right. That was a deep, <laughs> deep cut. I love it. Yeah. Deep cut. For those who don't know, Google it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great question to answer. Uh, I personally think it gives teams advantages when, in theory, in a way, teams shouldn't have one. But my teams uh, should be the one seed, even though they won't be. But you know, they should. They will have a home, home quotes series next. Uh, next round or the when the actual playoffs start jordy nashville predators number six seed arizona coyotes 11 seed uh they played already correct jordy today tell us what happened they did the yotes put the stomping on the predators the predators make it look close to the end uh arizona's winning 4-3 they're up 3-1 through one period phil kessel's just dishing the puck left and right Philip Forsberg, though, did not want it to go away. But this team, Greg, this Coyotes team that had been in that same regard of what we talked about with the Islanders and a number of different teams, very defensive team, they come out firing, both in terms of throwing hits, getting people just off their feet, and then they score they score three straight goals. They open up a 3-0 lead. Their power play is getting going. This team builds up all momentum and all confidence. And again, they go up 3-0 and they end up winning 4-3. But they also got a shorthanded goal. Michael Grabner just steals a puck on the power play. Goes in on a, on a breakaway. Finishes it. Awesome finish. We had that on. We flipped over to it. They showed a highlight during the Flyers-Bruins game. We flipped over to watch this. A little bit of this game in the third period uh, in the first intermission of the Flyers-Bruins game. But the Coyotes look great. And that was my only concern was that their defense is awesome. Darcy Kemper, Kemper looked great against this Nashville team, which has struggled throughout the year. They fired Laviolette, all this stuff. But the Coyotes' offense started to click in the ways that these tinkering moves, adding Taylor Hall, adding Phil Kessel, they really started to flourish there. Clayton Keller got involved. He had a goal. I like the Coyotes to win that game, but I, I'm really starting to buy into this team to win the series. I, I honestly can't remember if I picked them last week or not, but I'm certainly picking them here. I think they pull out the upset. Yeah, and, and I had mentioned it last week. Uh, or or whatever there's Wednesday Tuesday Thursday yeah, whatever, whatever day, whatever day last week it was quarantine um, quarantine day two hundred this this both teams came in both teams were injured most of the year but Coyotes especially and and their goaltending which was their key you know they had great goaltending at the beginning of the year and they both got hurt and that's what they started the year so hot and started to fall off because their goaltending mm-hmm. got hurt 
And this is a team that's young, scrappy. They have some guys who've been there before with Kessel and they have some studs in Taylor Hall and, and Clayton Keller, who might be you guy might be one of my favorite, again, American players, but you know, I just feel like this team has the ability to, like you said, just match guys, top lines. I think they struggle when they face a physical team realistically, but I mean, can you say that? Cause Nashville's a physical team and Arizona put up three goals in them. Yeah. I was about to say did, you have guys like Stepan, you have Grabner, had a great yeah. game. Did uh, Pekka Rennes start or did, uh, did they go with the backup there? Or no, the, they went with uh, UC Soros. Cause Rene, uh, I think is either, he either's experiencing sick, like symptoms or something that he did not play. I mean, that's the third goalie. That's the third goalie we've talked about alone to, on this podcast that has has been "quote unquote" sick. So something's going on with the goalies yeah, in the, in the, the goalie "quote unquote" rooms? bubbles. Seriously, though, that's literally dirty. That's the third goalie that's been sick. So something's going on here. Um, but I, I mean, I very much said it from the beginning. Arizona's a team that starts out hot, and Nashville's a team that doesn't. So I very easily could see Nashville. Uh, and I, or sorry, Arizona winning this, and I picked them to do that. Jordy, moving on, two young teams, up and coming future teams: Vancouver Canucks, Minnesota Wild, seven ten. Uh, have not played yet. Playing tonight. What do you got? So we talked about this a little bit on Thursday or whatever day it was. Um, that I like Minnesota. I really like that that Vancouver team. They're very young. They have Quinn Hughes, Calder finalist. That Pedersen, Calder finalist, a couple years ago. Brock Bezer, Calder winner. Correct. He beat Clayton Keller two years ago for it. Um, <laughs> isn't that what happened? Yeah, Keller got robbed. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, no, that wasn't meant to be a troll. Um, oh, it looks like it, it looks like I'm just I was following this up with Brene. It looks like Saros just beat him out. I don't think he was sick, so I was wrong there. Uh, but mm. back to this to the series at hand. Um, yeah, I what I do like though, as much as I like this this Vancouver team and what they can bring out there, I do really like the the veteran presence the Minnesota has along with the youth on the team. They have some solid goaltending. Uh, I don't want to say underrated tandem because they're you know the Minnesota Wild weren't shooting the lights out here, but in Stalock and Dubnik, both of them provide a bit of a two headed monster in terms of defense. And if the lights are a little, a little too bright for this young Canucks team, a team that people thought for the last couple of years could try to break in because of Peterson or Pedersen because of now, because of Quinn Hughes, but because of Bezer, because of different guys they have. And, you know, they, they've made all these different trades and, and they have guys that, should on paper do really well for him. Like JT Miller, a big one, but I, I like, I like Minnesota here. They, they've acquired guys that kind of, it seemed like some teams didn't want them like a Zuccarello. They got Donato for Charlie Coyle last, last year. in that, in that Bruins trade that we talked about so much in that, that trade deadline one. Um, but they picked up a guy like Ryan Hartman, who had that whole thing where he found out he got traded from the Flyers while he was hunting. Uh, he And he was on the hunting trip and comes back to find out that he's no longer a Flyer. Um, so like th- these guys that, that might have a chip on their shoulder, and I feel like 
people might be a little more excited for a young upstart Canucks team and, and those wild players who can score goals. They have two 20-goal scorers, and it's not out of the realm of possibility to think the super veteran Eric Stahl would have gotten to 20 goals. Zuccarello may, may have been able to as well. Um, but I, I, I like Minnesota here. Yeah, that's a great pick, Jordy. Um, it's tough because this is t- like this is the Minnesota is such a bad place last year, and they traded guys and to brought in. You know, they they had an attitude problem. They brought in some right guys. They traded. You know, they sort of did the right things. They also have a BU guy, Jordan Greenway, American, um, on their team. But it's another one of those grit grindy gr- grindy grimy physical teams in minnesota who can actually score a lot of goals like you said with guys like matt sucarello and and parise and some of the other offensive studs they have they can score goals and they can be physical the canucks are young fast want to be goal scoring team they're an 80 point or 80 percent on the power pull- no sorry whoops uh, they had the fourth best. <laughs> yeah, no, no. They had the fourth best power play at twenty four percent, and Minnesota had an 80 percent PK. So, not bad for them. But um, that's just like the Vancouver Canucks just have that. Bold. They have the special teams advantage, like you're saying, or like the you know the opposite of your saying, and. I almost want to take Vancouver in this just because of the opposite of Edmonton, Chicago, where where Chicago has the horses to match Edmonton. I don't know that Minnesota has the horses to match Vancouver's. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think it's worth noting though, on the special teams argument, Vancouver gets a lot more penalized than Minnesota does. So I think that's worth noting. Mm. Uh, Vancouver's penalty kill was 16th. Minnesota's was abysmal, 25th. Um, and Minnesota's power play was not bad. They were 10th in the NHL. Um, and they're right in the middle of the road of, of goals for kind of a bad goals against team, which is why I didn't say, you know, anything that shoots the lights out with, with Dubnik and, and, uh, and Stalin. But, um, I just fucked up his last name, but, um, Stalock. Stalock. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, you're good. But I, I don't know. It, it, this is a series that I really like and I, I'm exhausted from this weekend, so I'm going to try to stay up to watch a good amount of this game. But it's a series that I am really intrigued about because I do think this could go. This could go if it was a seven game series, it could go seven games. And I have a feeling that it might go five games, and I'd be really interested in seeing it. It kind of sucks they're slated to have the last time slot for at least game games one and two of their series. So that's unfortunate for them, but hopefully, you know that August seventh game which would be a Saturday. Maybe that's an afternoon game. We can, we can see a little bit more out of that. Or it's a Friday game. So hopefully that's an afternoon game. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're Vancouver. They're playing in the West, so it's going to be the late night games anyways, but, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, like, why don't they flip a, you know, flip another West coast game for it? Like, why don't the Blackhawks and Oilers play a late night game? But yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah. So we disagree. Um, Jordy eight, nine, Calgary, Winnipeg, a series that started already with some controversy. Controversy, holy cow! Uh, it's been a long already, controversy already. Uh, Jordy, tell us what happened in the game. Say who won, and then 
little 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 words that were said by the Winnipeg Jets after a little incident by everyone's favorite player, uh, American-born Jordy. Yeah, so Matthew Cal- Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk. So uh, Winnipeg comes out, scores the first goal, but it was not. They did not leave the first period without any sort of controversy. You mentioned it, Matthew Kachuk and Mark Shifley. Both go into the boards, and Kachuk's skate connects with Shifley's skate, and Shifley's knee takes the wall pretty terribly. Has to be helped off the ice, and you know. Calgary... No, so it wasn't his knee. Wasn't his knee that got hurt? No, sorry. So just tell us what happened in the game, and I'll do the controversy. Okay, you do the controversy. Okay, I know it was the skate to skate contact that was the whole thing. Um, skate to leg. Skate to leg. Okay, but uh, so Calgary ends up coming out. They they're down one nothing through one period. Calgary has an explosive second period. Goudreau gets on the board. Backlund gets on the board. They're up three nothing by the end of the uh, by the end of the period. End up scoring an empty netter. Win four one. Um, but this game was getting chippy, partially because of that controversy, partially because Line A got hurt, and guys were were having words both on the ice and then as you mentioned off the ice. So pick up me kind of bungling the story and uh you know take it away, Greg. So, Kachuk hit uh, Shifley going into the boards, and the Winnipeg coach is now accusing Kachuk of deliberately picking up his skate and slicing the back of Shifley's leg. Oh, I didn't realize that's what he... Yeah, that's what he's accusing him of, and accusing him of... of He's like, that's an Achilles. It could be, you know, it could be a guy's career. Like, you know, we all know Matthew Kachuk's reputation. So two things, right? Two, you know, he trashed him last night. He trashed him again today. So I guess the game is yesterday. Two things. One, uh, the the Calgary coach was like, you know, if we're sitting here and Johnny Gaudreau is the one who who did this to to Shifley, we're not having this conversation. It lasts one minute and that's it. But because it's, you know, because it's Kachuk and because it's, you know, the guy who has a reputation of, of being physical and, and likes to stir the pot, even though he's done nothing dirty. He's, he's the Marchand of the Western Conference, if you will. Everyone, I love, love Matthew Kachuk. But because it's him, this is what the Edmonton, or the, you know, the Edmonton coach said, because it's him, Calgary coach, sorry. Um, because it's Kachuk, this is not a story. And the Winnipeg coach, this is what people are saying, analysts are saying, but because Winnipeg came out flat, because Winnipeg needed a little spark, it's, you know, they're picked as an underdog, you know, they're starting to read the clippings and everyone's picking Calgary. The Winnipeg coach is using this to, to create an enemy, a, a common point that his team can rally behind, especially with line A potentially being hurt. He line A actually did get hurt. Um, but there's a, the, the idea is that the Vancouver or the Jesus Christ, the Winnipeg coach is using this as a way to rally the team and, and get them to, to really not go after Kachuk, but create a common enemy. So now we have a, let's, let's beat these guys for more than just whatever, um, more than just moving on. So I think, it's a series that just got a whole lot more intense and especially if anyone's what happens to Shifley, but 
it'd be interesting to see if the players respond to the coach. Um, I know the coach is trying to push this narrative, but as a player, you have to know that accidents happen. You have to know, like, no one's that much of a scumbag where they're trying to slice someone's Achilles and kill them and, you know, have people bleed out. Like, no one's that much of a scumbag. So I have to believe, um, you know, I have to believe that it was an accident, but it, it certainly looked that way if you look at the look at the thing, the replay. But to me, it just feels like the Winnipeg coach is stretching because he knows that these guys do what he has to do. But Jordy, who are you taking? Give us a little in-depth analysis. What do you got? Yeah, so I agree with you. I thought it was uh, I thought it was completely accidental. Um, to add on to it, though, Blake Wheeler and him dropped the mitts. They threw down. So good on Blake Wheeler stepping up there. Um, that being said, I thought Calgary from the get-go was had an advantage here. Um, not that they the, – Connor Hallbuck is a better goalie than what Calgary brings to the table. Whether it's Cam Talbot who played last night, Winnipeg only getting 18 shots off on him. Um, or if it's it's anybody else that, that Calgary's going to throw between the pipes, I think Hallbuck is better than them. Certainly deserved Vesna finalist. Um but in terms of in-depth analysis, you have Johnny Gaudreau, you have Sean Monahan, you have Backlund, who ends up scoring, Kachuk, who, you know, despite what everybody wants to say, he's this, you know, dirtier guy, like a like a Marshawn, he does get involved and, and puts shots in the net, gets a decent amount of points. It seems like year after year, where we look at this Calgary team, who they score a lot of goals and they have this top-heavy offense... It seems like they've slowly but surely built up some depth in their forwards. And defensively, I think they look great. And what they've done, and this is a big thing that you actually called last year. We talked about this. They're playing Colorado in the first round. We're wondering what Colorado was bringing to the table because they'd been banged up all year. And I pick Calgary. And you go, Jordy, this team doesn't have any, doesn't have any physical play. They're going to get bullied around. And I think Calgary, A, put a little chip on their shoulder and the personification of it is Matt Kachuk, but a lot of the other guys are playing physical as well. And they have defensemen that are getting involved, laying out some big hits, making it hard to get through there and get shots on the goal. I just think this team is, is kind of realizing what they need to do to, to excel in the playoffs. And I I really like this team. I think now that they've won that game and, and I hate to use injuries to say that that's really going to propel them, but with line a out and depending on what ends up, resolving with with Shifley it's hard to see Winnipeg match line to line to line of what Calgary is going to onslaught them with yeah and and that's that's I guess what I'm saying is the depth the defense everything is except for goaltending yeah goaltending is the, the only one that Winnipeg clearly has the advantage on yeah I feel like everything's pointing towards Calgary um and with line, especially if Line A yeah, if isn't going to be 100, percent yeah, if, yeah, if both of them are out. Yeah, it's it's even going to be harder. Um, so who knows where that happens? But I definitely agree. I think this is Calgary's Calgary's series to lose, if you will. Um, and hopefully their goaltending and their offense doesn't get shut down by by Helba. Yeah, I mean, that would be fun to see that series extend further. That's something we talked about a little bit on Thursday of if these series end up being short, you know, all we're getting are 
next Saturday and next Sunday, Flyers, Lightning, and Bruins, uh, Bruins Capitals for the East, and then Knights, Avs, and Stars, Blues. So we do we need some we need some help to get a little more of a full roster of games on next Saturday and Sunday. But I have a feeling that we have a a couple series that are going to go five because they're destined to. Some are going to surprise us. And some teams I feel like are hard to put away. So I feel like that's why it's tough to say a three-game sweep or anything like that. That's why I don't think either of us chose one. But I don't know. It's going to be fun. I mean, some of these teams had great upsets yesterday, Montreal being a big one. But I don't know. I, I... as much as I don't like the concept of five game series, is I kind of like this. It almost has the sense of urgency of a of a winner go home type of thing, and it bring obviously brings game five, being the the real winner go home, so much sooner to us. Yeah, and that's a great point. Is is the sense of urgency? Like you know, one game, sure you can throw away, but you really can't throw away more than one game. It's just you have to, you know. Even one game, it seems like a lot to throw away. That yeah, it really sense. is. Yeah, no, 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 it does. It's like if the Rangers lose tomorrow, it's hard. Like they can win three in a row. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility. How many times we mentioned that teams have gone down 2-0 and then end up winning a series 4-2? We mentioned it with the Capitals. I know the Blackhawks have done it a bunch of times. The Bruins did it a couple times in their cup run. Not against the Flyers, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I mean... It, it really is like that. Like it makes overtime hockey. It makes playoff overtime hockey, which is already awesome to begin with, but it makes it so much more of this. You're really letting something slip through your fingers of seeing, you know, the player that slide that tried to slide and block the shot before, uh, the play before the overtime goal gets, gets scored by Petrie. You see hit, you see Petrie like go around and, and the, I forget which Pittsburgh defender it was, but you see him try to like kick his skate out to block it, and like it, it just really makes it like so much better illustrated of how close something can really go, and the impact of that is just felt a lot more. Yeah, I I like that. And that being said, I want seven game series going forward. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just series. I don't think it's series. <laughs> Whatever. I'm a mathlete, not an English person. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, you can cut that out. Um, no, no, no. They can hear you rip on me. I'm not ripping. I was just trying to help <laughs> you for, for future so you don't seem uh, – yeah, anyway. If you follow um, Third and Girl, you know that words are not my strong suit. <laughs> anyway. called James Harden an indefensive bitch on Friday. Oh, I saw the tweets, and, and the next one that you followed with was the next – then we had a 20 minute conversation of whether that was an actual word. Yeah. Um, I just feel like all the time you see teams go up three, one, three, one, three, one, three, one, and then they lose it, you know, or, you know, if it goes to game seven, eventually. So I feel like the five games, I mean, it, it, for this qualifier, it makes sense because this is an actual playoffs. So I get it. I'm happy. You know, it's fine. Yeah, for it's five, but right. But they were talking about doing five games, the first series. And that, that would have sucked. Would have sucked. You're right. So, I, I, I'm glad they got away from that. I'm glad they decided to do seven, but uh, I just think that ultimately, hopefully, the more skilled team, or not the more skilled team, but you would hope that, yeah, maybe the more skilled team would win, but I mean, as we talk about it, as we sit here, it really comes down to matchups because Edmonton would beat 
you know, or sorry, uh, Nashville would beat a lot of teams, but they're running up against Arizona, who just has the skill to beat them. And and all the you know, you can go up and down this these matchups that we talked about tonight, and Toronto, Columbus, and you know, up and down again, and it's just there. It's a matchups what it comes down to. So, mm-hmm. and Montreal gave Pittsburgh their best shot in, in one game one, and we'll see if they can replicate it, but. I could see, I could see, I could see the game two being a it is one of those Pittsburgh when they they score eight goals, win eight to one, you know those classic Pittsburgh games come back win eight to one and then game three be another nail biter. Yeah, I could see that too. That that makes a lot of sense. But then Carey Price is just not that guy. But anyway, Jordy, great pod, bud. I think it's a good one. I hope you guys all liked it. Um... Yeah, we we had, some, uh, we had something we were supposed to tease, but I forget. So, oh, well. oh we already talked about Emily having her podcast. Oh, you, nice. We can what, talk about uh, UN what, assessment. Is, what was the question? Where is she having it? It's through the SB Nation Sports, uh, the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, which I, th- I think is the name of the feed. Uh, I can tell you called? tomorrow. It comes up uh, Monday morning, so it should be what out by it? the time you're listening to this. What's it called? It is the Gastrointestinal Blues show within the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Nice. Yeah, Sixers joke. So, what's it called? So, look up Liberty Ballers Podcast Network and find and see Emily Anderson, and you'll find her there. So, it's not like Third and Girl. Okay, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, yeah it's a, She'll probably tweet it from Third and Girls, so find that on Twitter either. Gotcha. Either um, yeah, Jordy, great pod. Yeah, you want to test for this? The Major League Baseballs. Um, we're just gonna bre- we're just gonna put S's on the end of every word. Now, um, the Major League Baseballs is is a real concern because with all the, the Cardinals had more people test positive. Granted, the uh, the Marlins haven't had a test in a while, and teams are resuming games, but with all these random teams missing games and there's no real makeup date, uh, what, what is, what is major league baseball going to do? You know, are they going to make them up? Are they just going to do win percentage? What is going to be the, their, their, their solution to this? Um, do they continue playing for two weeks and, or do more players like you and play a couple games, realize they're not doing well, fuck it. And, uh, opt out. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. And and the fact that you can opt out like that. So for those that don't know the story, today, Sunday, Jonas Espedes didn't show up to the ballpark. The Mets tweeted out, we have no idea where this guy is. He didn't call. He didn't tell us. We can't reach him on the phone. And halfway through the game, his agent gets back to the Mets and says he's opting out for the year. Um, So it is kind of crazy that that sort of thing happens. It goes from the story where, Greg, not to bring up sore subjects, where Kyrie... Or Derek Rose, like how they disappeared and nobody really knows what happened with those things. Um, well, Kyrie, they kind of do. But Derek, remember that whole thing with Derek Rose? Um, and then it just turns out he opted out because of COVID, a much more serious answer than some sort of life's great mystery type of deal. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the, the way to go is. You know, a lot of Phillies players, it turned out that the clubhouse staff that had positives, turned out those were actually false positives. So the Phillies ended up the players at least have expressed their annoyance at false positives, giving them a week off. Jake Arietta 
being one of them, he's you know no stranger to complaining about those types of things. Um, but he's basically like, hey, I, you know, my you know, I want to keep stretching out my arm, and I haven't been able to do that because we haven't been quarantined and all this sort of stuff. And it's just wild to think about it. And to answer your question of what they're going to do, I, I frankly, I don't know. They've been great in being flexible, and, and shout out to me for saying the Phillies and Yankees could easily play each other on Monday, August third. That's what's happening. Uh, so shout out to me. But um, hmm. anyway, I. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if they push back when they want to start the playoffs and say we're going to do them in whatever southern area that's not a COVID hotbed. Um, I, don't, I don't know what ends up being the uh, being the answer there. It's it's all crazy shit. Yeah, and and that's the that's the intense. I don't know, not intense, but that's the the part we're talking about last time: bubble versus traveling versus you know, what, what really, what is the solution the MLB does? And I have to think that they are having conversations somewhere that, you know, there's just like, no one's talking about it, but I feel like there has to be conversations somewhere. Um, Oh, there definitely are. And I mean, Manfred's told the players, he's told TV networks of, you know, get backup plans ready in case we shut this thing down. So it's, I mean, that's really unfortunate to hear. And a lot of the different stuff he's done is uh, sad, but we can talk I think, about that I think, time. I think if another team had come out, I think if another team had come out and got it, we're having a different conversation right now. But I think because, like, this is... The Cardinals was relatively contained, you mean? Yeah. Granted, two more players got today, but, like, the Marlins are... They haven't had a case in a while. No one from the Phillies got it. That was the team they played. You know, there's... It clear Like, the Marlins had it, and all these Phillies players didn't get it despite playing on the same field with them. So it's like not proof that that you can play without getting it but it's just the idea that it's contained not contained but it's very much not spreading i guess is the right way of saying it it hasn't spread yet so i feel like if one or one or two more teams gets it then we're having a different conversation but as long as it's contained to the one or two teams i feel like things will go on yeah i agree with you but we can talk about that at another time greg this show was awesome I had a blast doing this. Hopefully you had a good time too. Hopefully uh, we all learned something today. Jordy, I would love, oh, I would absolutely love for baseball to stay, sports to be right in the world, uh, the Bruins and Flyers to, to just not see each other at all so we don't have to compete against each other. But alas, I'm sure the world has a fickle way of, of sticking to us and you'll be crying because the Bruins beat the Flyers and blah, blah, blah. Life will go on. However, Jordy, I have one message to you, bud. What's that? Keep having great weekends of playing golf and winning money on bets. Hey, I did lose money today playing golf, so uh, it's a net week. It's a net even weekend. I wonder. I wonder if you created a spreadsheet, Mister Math Guy. All the money you have going out, bets, etc., and all the money you have coming in, bets, etc. What would? Where do you think you'd end up in the year? Um, we don't have to get into it now. Yeah, but. I don't. I I'd rather not see the amount of money that I'm uh, <laughs> throwing around. So we're, we're, we're going to avoid that. Or winning. We're going to avoid that. 
or I'm winning. Getting, I'm paying my bills. My wedding's going to be paid for. It's all good. All right. Jordy, great job. GP, thank you as always. Everybody, thank you for listening. Go like, share, subscribe to the podcast. The Bullpen Card on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Thunder BLG is on Twitter. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. Join our Facebook group, the Bullpen Cart Podcast. Go Bruins. And like Greg is saying, have a great week, everybody. Go Bruins. Let's go Flyers, baby. Kata hot. Go Bruins.